This podcast was recorded remotely, and due to the nature of the show, Pam and Tommy contains adult themes and language. Spoiler time codes for The Book of Boba Fett are in the podcast description. Hello and welcome to TV DNA, the Pam and Tommy special. My name's Adam, and I am here with Damien. Hello. And Grace. Hi. And Neil. One is not dead. Lovely to have you back, Grace. We missed you last week. Lovely yeah. to be back. Pam and Tommy, the story of the sex tape. Can we just declare how many episodes you've watched? I've only watched one and two. I've watched the first three available. Me too. Me three. Okay, well, no spoilers for episode three then, please. I'm really enjoying it. Two of my favourite performers. I love Lily James and I love... Sebastian Stan and we've also got Seth Rogen and the guy from Parks and Recreation whose name I can't remember right now. Nick Offerman. Yes. I love that the first episode set up what I'm assuming will be the narrative for the series in that it's looking at how to be honest, it, it was a cultural, I guess, phenomenal in the sense that it was the start of things going viral. And this is pre-internet. So it's a really interesting look at pop culture in general and certainly in celebrity stuff. So I'm I'm really excited about that. The second episode didn't really do much on that. It was focusing very much on Pam and Tommy getting together and the start of their relationship, but that wasn't a huge problem. I guess we'll come to some of the stuff in the second episode because coming is what Tommy is best at. The first episode is very much setting up the story of Rand, who is a carpenter working on Pam and Tommy's house, who gets stiffed by Tommy Lee. (laughs) And that's the Seth Rogen character. Gets stiffed financially by Tommy Lee. And then the second episode very much deals with Pam and Tommy's relationship and how that started and developed. And then the third episode, we get a bit of that intermingling. Oh, good. I'm really enjoying it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm having an absolute blast. I love the style of it. I think for me, episode one was a little slow. I feel like they were setting up something that we all knew was going to happen. Plus, I don't really like Seth Rogen. I feel like he has one mode and it's dopey. I'm not a huge fan of him as a performer, but the minute episode two kicked in, oh my God, I I loved episode two so much. It's basically had everything that episode one didn't have, which is Lily James, full frontal nudity and drugs. <laughs> All your favorite things, Grace. <laughs> such a reputation on this podcast no but it was just like the the pace of episode two compared to episode one and the visual treats that episode two (laughs) gave you it was fantastic and since episode two I've just been really excited about the whole thing yeah so I actually would like clarification because I watched uh, those three episodes pretty much back to back so it all merges into one for me so what specific visual treats grace did you like about about episode two i'll tell you what bit i didn't like you know what i'm gonna say it was silly that bit when he was talking to himself shall we say i didn't like that that bit threw me right off i think i audibly said this is silly <laughs> i don't know if you've had a chance to listen to our last podcast grace but i dropped the news on the boys that someone had been cast as the voice of tommy lee's penis and 
<laughs> the reaction was brilliant. There was a lot of confusion. So I'm curious now that we've seen the scene where Tommy Lee talks to his own genitalia. What did you think? I think of all the performances, to, to use the same joke as the last episode, I think for me that was the member of the cast I was most interested in. Uh, joking aside, it was absolutely nuts. The same thing as you said, Grace. I was watching it with Raluca and we were like, this show is nuts. It's so ridiculous. Just the over-the-top, well, manipulation, shall we say, of how it... Mo- I mean, it was a very expressive character, wasn't it? It was up and down. It was all over the place. I'm worried we're going to have to see it again. <laughs> I really don't want to. As far as it being crazy and over the top, potentially this is the line that they're going to follow. So I would expect, otherwise it will stand out like a sore thumb or more more than a thumb. (laughs) They have to follow this storytelling, surely. I mean, maybe, but I also think that it's the kind of show where that just won't be referenced again. Some people might say that this was just a gratuitous opportunity to show a talking penis on screen. But for me, this was a real insight into Tommy Lee's personality and his narcissism and his inability to communicate with anybody else other than his own genitalia. Are you saying he's just a big dick? I am saying that, yeah. But also, (laughs) I just am a bit confused about what this show is is and I feel like it's a comedy this isn't a drama or a truthful biopic it's a sort of surreal revenge comedy it's almost like an animal house type thing that we've got happening or let's face it soft porn that's kind of why I want to talk about my mindset because when they first showed his member before him talking to it to Pam and we also got to see her well-endowed breasts I was thinking, wow, they can actually create CGI porn now. CGI breasts, CGI penis. There was Boogie Nights where they clearly used prosthetics for Doug Diggler's Willie, Mark Warburg's Willie. Then they used CGI for Cersei in Game of Thrones when she was naked. And I was starting to think, God, they could actually, because it's not real, show erect penises and all these things. Then, of course, they pretty much did. And on a Disney channel, of of all places. And it really did make me think, what does this mean for the way TV's going to go? Because there's a rule that you can't show a man's penis unless it's of a certain angle. Well, if it's CGI, you're not showing a man's penis. So where are things going? And then I found out where things were going. Like Damo, I binge watched this. So in preparation for today, I thought, oh, I better just re- remind myself exactly. And the first sort of five stories that came up on my on my Google search were about Lily James' breast prosthetics. It seemed to be all that anyone was particularly interested in about the show was her ability to wear prosthetic breasts. Well, they weren't prosthetics, were they? They were clearly CGI. I'm pretty sure they are what's known as prosthetics. I think she was wearing them. I mean, Pamela Anderson had fake breasts, so they're meant to look fake. Well, yeah, no, you're right. But surely it would be easier for all concerned just to use CGI. They use prosthetics. There was a brilliant show that I was talking about, I can't remember what it's called now. I'll add it in the edit to make it look seamless, where the actress wore prosthetic breasts for the whole show and playing a sex worker. And she had prosthetic breasts. 
So it's very easy done, much in the same way you can have a prosthetic nose. You just have to spend hours in makeup getting them put on. One of the news stories that I didn't open and read was about how many sets of prosthetic breasts they'd got through in the making. <laughs> I have to say, like, having grown up watching telly and the number of times I've seen women's breasts and women's vaginas and not seen any male penises in TV, this feels fair. <laughs> I just was like, yeah, okay, this, this makes sense now to me. Like, why shouldn't we, you know? Of course. For so long, it's just been like boobs and bums and fannies. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing for the straight ladies. No, there. you are right. But you didn't actually see Sebastian Stan's penis. Whereas in the past, you've been looking at the real thing, you know, as you say, mostly females. And I think actually, horribly, I've just forgotten her name, but Cersei in Game of Thrones was probably the first time where said that she wasn't going to do it. And so they use CGI. And I think that was the stepping stone to, to what they're doing now. Like, you don't actually see the person that you are... Yeah, but, you know, it's still visually, it's there. Yeah, yeah. You can still get your tissues out. Oh, God, no, no. Goodness me. That's, uh, that's, that's quite a reaction. What I would say is, just, just to circle back on the penis and breasthetics conversation, it was Hayley Squires in Adult Material who had prosthetics. And, I mean, should you be interested, Grace, in seeing very cock-heavy shows, I would like to point you in the direction of Spartacus, the TV series. There were an awful lot of ripped dudes with big winkies, and they were <laughs> very much on show. Oh, I absolutely love the Spartacus series. Not, not for the winkies, but... <laughs> They're, a, I think, really entertaining watch. So I can highly recommend Spartacus. Well, perhaps that's our focus for next week's TD DNA. <laughs> we'll all watch Spartacus. I just want to make it clear. I don't want to be getting a reputation on this podcast. <laughs> it's just a body. It's just a body, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I also was enjoying it for its dramatic value, the show. It's been a lot of fun. I, I had a workshop with an interview director at the weekend and she said that a lot of the channels and the streaming services etc tv producers now are using and are coming to grips with all of the issues around consent and, and intimacy and directing intimacy on screen and on stage and I think it's a really important move that is being made I will maybe find some links to stuff that I can pop in the podcast description about that. In the past we've not been able to see things that are generally intricate to the storyline and it would be absolutely not a question about seeing nakedness now they're developing things like CGI and prosthetics to a way you can see those characters like we saw Pamela Anderson's character and Tommy Lee's character fully naked and obviously the, the whole program is about a sex tape it is very relevant it's not necessarily gratuitous question mark now we can do it in a way that it doesn't stop actresses like lily james and actors like sebastian stan from playing these characters and giving them the depth they need because they're not prepared and quite rightly if they if that's their decision to show their member and breasts I'm really all for, like, moving this forward, but do they have to make it talk? 
Well, it was funny, and I had to keep pinching myself. Thinking, I'm watching a Disney program. Pinching yourself, is that what they call it now? God, stop. Let's talk about the drama then. Let's talk about the, the actual, the, the non-sex-related stuff in the show. I found the interplay between Tommy and Pammy really interesting. I hope that there aren't any spoilers. I don't believe that there are, but I'm worried that there are. So, Neil, maybe just cover your ears. That is, what I found really interesting is when they were flying back from Mexico, he's saying all this stuff about, oh, she's the love of my life. I've got to be with her. She's for me. She's the one. All these big grandiose things. He has this conversation with his penis. I love her. She's the best thing ever. And then there's just that flight back. So, uh... What kind of films do you like? Uh, like? There's no depth in that relationship. It's purely physical. One of my notes is carnal lust. They connect over their love of French fries. And then, of course, <laughs> the next scene is they're meeting French fries naked in bed. It's interesting because they're obviously celebrities. We don't know how we feel about them, but I'm kind of rooting for them as a couple. <laughs> I know that we're going to come across rough times. I really like being in their company as a couple. And I think later on, you get to spend more time with them in a bit more of a loving way, necessarily, than is just purely sexual. And I think that their development as a couple is really clever because you immediately think, oh, they've got married. They've had this shotgun wedding and then they're going to find nothing in common. That's going to be it. But they actually stay together. Yeah, I'm, en- I'm enjoying it. I'm rooting for them. I'm really impressed as to how empathetically and lovingly they've been portrayed. He's portrayed in the first episode as a bit of an arsehole, but he's portrayed as a badass and extremely sexy and charismatic. And I imagine the real Tommy Lee would not have any problem with that. And so far, she has been portrayed very sympathetically and as a girly girl. You know, it's all about her heart. She's absolutely in love with him. So far, I don't think anything damning is being portrayed. I think bar one very romantic gesture, I think he mostly comes off as a complete tool. (laughs) For me, this is the tale of two victims and a man-child. Rand is a victim who is out for revenge, And Pam is a victim in waiting, in a way, of of what has transpired between Tommy Lee and Rand. But I don't think the real-life Tommy Lee will be concerned about how he's being portrayed. No, probably not. Big Hollywood star plays him. His dick is spoken to on camera. I mean, what's not to love? I think he's happy to be part of the conversation again. (laughs) Because he wasn't for a long time. I think you're right. I've got a real sense that Pam is going to be, if there is going to be any sadness, it's going to be to do with her and how she comes out of this, which is not going to be pleasant, I don't think. I mean, I do wonder whether her objection to the show is that this thing that happened in her life is being treated as a comedy. Regardless of how sympathetically she's being played, this real genuine betrayal of a private moment for her is now being used as a comedic entertainment vehicle about how someone's life can be taken advantage of. I wonder also if there's other things that are then raked over that sets her off. They're just constantly talking about how big barbed wire is going to be and how it's going to change everything. And of course, it, it wasn't a big deal. It was a flop. It was a, almost, I think it was a joke, but that was her big thing. She was going to come out of Baywatch and she was going to be this femme fatale, kick-ass girl power character and it just became really a sexploitation film 
And she's going to break out of that sex doll image that she's got in. And, the, you know, the, the way Baywatch is shot, like, she doesn't stand a chance with any three-dimensional character at all. So, yeah, I think she clearly wants to break out and this is going to just not let her do that. And that's going to be quite... That's going to be quite sad. And Lily James, oh my God, wow. Brilliant. And if you, well, I imagine if you were a female and you had that wish that I'm sure of us have played this game, who would play you in the Hollywood biopic of your life? You can't complain about Lily James playing you. It would have to be Kenneth Branagh for me, I think. <laughs> Literally separated at birth. With the CGI boobs. <laughs> not, not Nick Offerman. Obviously, he'd he'd go on a crash diet and he'd lose a few years. But I think there's there's a similarity there, don't you, Nick Offerman, Adam? I'll take it. Especially on that tour of those dodgy porn film companies. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really enjoying the references to the World Wide Web. All of the internet stuff is so brilliant. The World Wide Web is free. What? And when he's trying to explain to Nick Offerman how you can use a search engine, you just type in what you want to see and he just doesn't understand. I love how that's threaded through the whole thing. It really sets it in a time really beautifully. I'm really enjoying all that. We've had another letter from Margaret in GB. G was saying how much he was looking forward to hearing about our analysis of the biopic of Pam Ayres and Tommy Cooper. So as you're listening, Margaret, I'm really sorry, but I suspect you probably don't have access to Disney+. Plus. I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> oh, Grace, listen to the last 10 minutes of our last podcast episode. I fear that Margaret is going to become a recurring presence on the podcast. She's got Neil's address and she keeps writing to him. Wow, Neil, a fan. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how she's found my address. We list it in the podcast notes. Did you not see that? (laughs) She'll be banging on your door going, why weren't you talking about Pam (laughs) Who is a legend? Yes. As is Tommy Cooper. My great uncle. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because I wasn't aware of it. And then I found it on the family tree and just like that, he was my uh, great uncle. (laughs) Sorry, everyone. That was terrible. (laughs) Is that a Cooper family joke that's been passed down? I don't know. (laughs) So sorry. I think I've broken grace. Sorry. (laughs) It's too much. I had one week off. In summary, we all recommend Pam and Tommy? Yes. Yes. You've heard enough about what it is about. It's either your boat or not. Or Pam and Tommy's boat where they film the sex tape. Choose for yourself, listeners, as to whether it's your thang or not, or thong or not. I would say, though, you know, if you're not sure on episode one, definitely keep going to episode two. Good shout. Wise words. Okay, let's move on to what else we've been watching. I started Dope Sick. Yay! Tell us about it. Well, I know that Adam and... um, What's your name again? (laughs) Damien! Hold. Adam and Damien have spoken about this before, so I won't go into too much detail, but it is absolutely outstanding. On Saturday, I was absolutely exhausted, so I just watched three episodes, and it's just perfectly made, perfectly structured. The cast are exceptional. The story is heartbreaking. Oh, God. And also makes me so angry, so, so angry at the system, American medical system, 
And I love the time jumps so much. They are so clever because they're not formulaic at all. Often with time jumps, you'll spend a bit of time in this and a bit of time in that, and then you'll go back and you just go between. But you could spend half an hour in 1996 and then five minutes in 2002, and then you're 2005 for a bit. And it's just, oh, it just keeps you on your toes. It's so pacey. Absolutely loving it. It's very much thematically linked in the way those time jumps happen. You couldn't have told this chronologically because so many of the key characters and key stories happened years and years apart from each other. So I think it's really cleverly done and and a good example of how to use that well. But it is devastating in so many ways. The minute anyone takes one of those Oxycontins, you just want to like smack it out of their hand. It's painful. Talking about devastating, I think it's devastating that Caitlin David didn't win an Emmy, who plays Betsy Malham, who is just brilliant. She's a young girl who starts taking the drugs that Michael Keaton's Dr. Samuel gives her. We follow her addiction throughout the series as well. As you'll see as the series goes on, her performance, Adam and I are messaging each other whilst we were watching this about how brilliant she was and how she was overlooked. But Michael Keaton did win an award for his performance, which was rightly deserved. I think it was the Golden Globes, not the Emmys, though. Correct. Golden Globes. Thank you, Adam. Just the lies, the lies, the lies, the endless lies. It's amazing. Incredible, incredible telly. Has Will taken his shirt off yet? No, he hasn't. Whatever, I don't care. You know me. Take it or leave it. (laughs) I have been watching Ozarks properly. So about halfway through episode four, some serious, serious shit has gone down. Allegiances have shifted, completely changed. It's really enjoyable. Catherine and I finally got some time last night when the kids had gone to bed at a reasonable hour to watch something together. So we thought, should we give the Ozarks another try? So before we started re-watching the first episode, we were just thoroughly confused. We went back and got and watched on YouTube a little season one to three recap so we could remember. Now we kind of fully got what was happening in those earlier seasons. But we watched just about 10 minutes after we'd got up to before before we both fell asleep. So we are definitely committed to and excited about watching these arcs when we get some time together where we're both fairly awake. There's stuff at the end of series three that is just amazing. There is some phenomenal acting from the usual suspects within that show. So I also watched the first episode of Power Book 4 Force, uh, which was good. It was very much, as with all first episodes, just setting things up. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the series continuing a little further. Neil, what have you been watching? Probably two nights ago, I decided to delve into Afterlife, uh, the Ricky Gervais sitcom, series three. I'd watched the first two series and really enjoyed them. And I did really enjoy it. I loved his observations on life and on society, his exploration as to grief. I understand so many viewers really identify with what his character's going through. It's funny, it's poignant. I think it's the best thing that Ricky Gervais has done. It shows real depth and sensitivity and understanding from him, both as a performer and as a writer and, I guess, a director. I can't recommend it enough, and I'm really looking forward to finishing it. And he's got a great cast around him. Is it time for us to, as you put it before we started recording, Neil, Lucas Gasm? 
<laughs> I'm always up for a leakerscasm. So the Book of Boba Fett, episode six, the penultimate episode of the series, having had... <laughs> Having had uh, episode five, which was really a Mandalorian episode, we didn't see Boba Fett at all. Episode six, we also barely saw Boba Fett, the titular character, in this episode. I don't know whether Tamira Morrison has done something to upset the Disney Plus folk. It's like he's being cucked in his own show. It's like the scene that he was in... Somebody else did all the heavy lifting. I will say this was the best episode of the series so far. yeah. Uh, by a country mile it was really great and entertaining and there were some brilliant twists in there and a whole host of guest characters it's just it's a little bit odd to have a show with a the title character not in the two of the last three episodes i think it's very much about introducing his story and obviously the story as to why he's still alive which it does cover in a lot of detail and i think it's more about introducing and then molding well as i said with the last episode the fusion of the two theme tunes i think this is all about setting up the future well certainly mandalorian series three and what will move on i I don't think we'll get a sequel to the Book of Boba Fett. Just call it something else then. Like, don't call <laughs> it the Book of Boba Fett. If you're not, call it, you know, something random. Yeah, but then, yeah, but Adam, then you would be saying that the Mandalorian has been cooked in his own series by four episodes focused on Boba Fett. I'm not I'm not complaining. I just think it's it's funny and it's odd. Last time we recorded, you were saying that the director who is due to direct this episode likes the odd guest star. Yeah, Dave Filoni. One or two of those. And we ended up with six of them, I think. I know. Oh my god, that's why it was a leakerscasm. I mean, it was just absolutely amazing. It was so much more than I anticipated. I loved how much time and energy they put into Luke. I loved all of the detail of the way Luke was training Grogu in the way that Yoda had been training him. And then, okay, let's listen to him off. So Grogu comes back, Luke comes back. We see R2. I never expected to see R2-D2, but it made logical sense. He was with Luke. So Ahsoka which was, again, brilliant. Uh, kind of slightly clumsily explaining why she was still there when she had said she wasn't going to be involved in Grogu's training. Played by Rosario Dawson, who's also in Dopesick. And then we also get Cobb Vance, the sheriff. He's great. And originally had procured Boba's armour, which eventually Boba gets back off him. And then finally, we get Cad Bane, which no doubt we will come to. And just going back to what you were saying earlier, Adam, about has, um, has Morrison done anything? The Book of Boba Fett got quite a lot of criticisms for being quite slow and viewing figures were falling. So I even wonder whether some of the filming they'd done for, let's say, the beginning of The Mandalorian Series 3 might have been pushed into episodes five and six to get those audiences back. And absolutely, episode six with all of those cameos. I mean, I guess potentially, but so much of the Mandalorian story is interwoven into Boba Fett. So Timothy Oliphant, who plays Cobb Vance, I thought was absolutely brilliant. Has a cracking line of, it's your winning smile. And of course, the Mandalorian wears a full mask. I wasn't really aware of Cad Bane as a character because I haven't seen the animated stuff, but you could tell... 
that he was a badass just by the way they introduced him to the show. And that was kind of all I really needed to know. Very gutted about the final scene, what I presume is the loss of one of my favourite characters of the of the series. We don't have a problem with spoilers, surely, for this. No. What are you referring to? Are you referring to Cobb? No, I'm referring to the blowing up of the bar and Jennifer Beals going up in... Oh. Uh... They blow up the bar? Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> And Jennifer Fields from Flashdance. <laughs> We've spoken about this, Grace. Have you not watched Flashdance yet? We've definitely spoken about this. <laughs> yeah, I think Grace was born after Flashdance. I think that's the problem. Guys, it's a generational thing. Don't worry about it. I loved the Western imagery in this, and that is particularly with the appearance of Cad Bane. That whole standoff between him and Cobb Vance. I'm really excited about how this may end. Cobb isn't dead. I think it's just the deputy who died, so there's still more to happen here, and I wonder whether actually what this is doing is putting together an almost Avengers-type thing where you've got Chrysanthemum, you've got Boba Fett, you've got Mando, you've got a whole load of different bounty hunters and assassins all working together, potentially for the greater good. What I was wondering, because you, you you mentioned about a deputy, so I, I just, I'm curious because I shot the sheriff, but I didn't shoot the deputy. So who did? It was Cad Bane shot both of them. The Western scene actually thought was a really nice twist on the showdown at the OK Corral. There was this third guy who was trying to get involved in it. A total red shirt demo. (laughs) Yeah. He had to to go. Cobb, I agree. I don't think Cobb Vance is dead. Maybe he's going to get a a modified arm and he'll be a a mod in the future. And I had also heard rumours that there's going to be a movie. So your Avengers-style team-up of these characters may very well be in the offing. And if the Book of Boba Fett has been all about setting that up, then I'm totally okay with that. Oh, absolutely. The other thing to mention before we finish and stop boring Demo and Grace is Grogu is left with a choice at the end of this episode. Does he take the Mandalorian armour and become a foundling? Or does he take Yoda's lightsaber and become a Padawan? What do you think he'll choose? I really hope he chooses the Mando armor, and that's why he's not really a figure in in the sort of stories going forward. I'd like him to be Luke's first training failure, and I'd like to see him reunited with Mando. That's where I feel like he belongs. Oh, so much to look forward to. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to the final episode. I think Cad Bane, hopefully he will feature as a villain as well, because I think he's pretty cool. We will be back next week talking about the final episode of The Book of Boba Fett. I have been watching Station Eleven. I signed up to Stars Play, and I mentioned this last week, but really enjoying this. I've now watched the next three episodes of that. Damien, I know you've watched the first episode as well, and it is quite a slow-moving show, but I'm really enjoying... I'm jumps in here, I'm really enjoying all the performances... Yeah, I just find the pace a little too slow for the mood I was in when I was watching it. So I feel that when I have more time and more patience, I will probably go back to it. I'm definitely in for it, for the long haul. But yeah, having signed up to Stars Play, it reminded me that I'd signed up to Apple TV. And I should either cancel that subscription or I should watch something on it. So I watched Suspicion. Really enjoying this. Two episodes in. 
the setup is there's a kidnapping that takes place in a hotel by four people wearing royal family masks. You've got someone in the mask of the Queen stuffing somebody else into a suitcase. The suspects are four Brits who happen to be at the hotel at the time. There's an Oxford lecturer, a bride on her wedding day, an IT worker and an Irish terrorist, all seemingly with no connection other than being British and in the hotel that night. Loads of intrigue. It's a really great cast. I didn't mention last week Lydia West from It's a Sin, but she's in this as well. It's really stylish. There's loads of CCTV shots of, from different angles. And, and you've got Noah Emmerich doing what Noah Emmerich does best, which is just a joy. Really enjoying Suspicion. It's coming out weekly, so I will probably be talking about it some more. And I also watched After Party on Apple TV, and I'm absolutely loving it. This is four episodes in so far. But again, the setup for this, there's a high school reunion, and Xavier who's made it as a pop star, falls to his death at the after party, which is held at his luxurious house. And everyone is a suspect. Tiffany Haddish's detective has one night to solve the case before someone else is brought in. And she wants to interview each of them, as it's only by piecing together their individual mind movies that she'll be able to understand what happened. So she asks them to tell their stories as if they were the lead character in a film. So each episode is a different genre. The first episode is a rom-com, the second episode is an action-adventure, the third one's a musical, and the fourth one's a psychological thriller. And they just brilliantly parody each of those genres in each of these episodes. It's incredibly, incredibly funny. One line in the action-adventure after a fight between this guy that ends with him clocking his opponent with a frying pan is... You may have the skills, but I have the skillet. I'm really loving it. There's a crime to solve. It's a brilliantly comedic ensemble cast led by the highly watchable Sam Richardson. I want to watch that. Where do I watch it? It's on Apple TV. Which I now have, thanks to Ted Lasso. So I think the Apple TV originals, they tend to be good quality, I think. So whilst they don't have a huge amount of shows, the shows that they've got, I think, are really well made. And this is one that I definitely would recommend. I've continued a little bit with All of Us Are Dead, which is the Netflix zombie in a high school show. There was a couple of moments where I was like, oh, this is just a bit samey and nothing's really changing or happening. Am I going to stick with this? And then it hits you with something really dramatic or moving or just utterly gutting moments. But like most zombie shows, it's dealing with grief and what we've got left when everything is under threat. It's a Korean show and the very young cast doing a brilliant job in this. So, yeah, I'm going to continue with that. And then the final show that I want to talk about was Trigger Point. I think what Trigger Point does really, really well is the tense set pieces and the bomb threats. That stuff, great. I think there are elements of the show that it doesn't do so well, which I've mentioned before on previous episodes, but some questionable dialogue. And I feel like we as an audience already know things before the characters do a bit too much. I'm going to stick with it because I'm enjoying the show for that adrenaline sort of tense. There's a bomb! Is it going to go off or not? Moments. That thing of the audience knowing stuff before characters do could be done really well. But from what you're saying, it sounds like it's not being used properly. No, it's definitely like some of the conversations they have. You're like, yeah, we've got this already. It doesn't move it on 
sort of well enough. I don't know that I'm fully invested in our central character yet, but I am still... I've said lots of negative things, but when it's good, it's really good and gripping. Do they need to release a sex tape or have a scene where one of the characters talks to his own penis? No. (laughs) Are you sure? Yes. I can't believe I'm the one to say this. Slightly more on topic. Is she still refusing to wear protective gear when she's face first in a bomb? (laughs) I don't want to give any spoilers away, but yeah. There's, there's, um, yeah, yeah. I refer you to our previous podcast. Fine. So I've got a few bits and pieces that we can look forward to. The first one I want to mention actually airs tonight at the time of recording, Monday the 7th of February. It's No Return, which comes to ITV. It's four episodes long. Sheridan Smith plays Kathy Powell, a woman whose life is turned on its head when her 16-year-old son Noah is accused of sexually assaulting a boy while on a family holiday in Turkey. Apparently it's quite a harrowing show. I'm mainly mentioning it as an actor that I worked with uh, for a brief time, Attila Akinci, is appearing in it, which is nice. Oh, Attila. Yeah. (laughs) It's nice. I mean, I love Sheridan Smith. I find him very watchable. So, mm, yeah, I I might give that a go. Tomorrow, the 8th of February, This Is Going to Hurt starts on the BBC. This is the Ben Whishaw, Harriet Walter and Alex Jennings appearing in the BBC adaptation of former junior Dr. Adam Kay's best-selling memoir. I love Ben Whishaw. I think he's amazing. So I always like to spend time with him. And then on Thursday, 10th of Feb, we've got Magpie Murders. This is coming to BritBox. This is an original commission for BritBox. So it might be a bit tricky for us to watch if you're not already subscribing. But it's an Anthony Horowitz adaptation of his own murder mystery novel. It stars Leslie Manville. And it's a six-part thriller. Then the other bits I've got are news, really. News of dates. So on the 4th of March, a little bit in the future... There's an animated spin-off of The Boys, The Boys Diabolical. It stars Andy Samberg and Giancarlo Esposito. And the guest stars, there's some names here that might interest, Kieran Culkin, Don Cheadle, Christian Slater, Kevin Smith, and then virtually all of The Boys' regular cast. Amazing! That's going to be coming to Amazon Prime Video from the 4th of March. Well, considering the boys started off as a comic, I mean, that makes absolute sense. And I love a bit of Colkin. And then the other one is that we have a, a release date for Moon Knight, the Marvel TV show Moon Knight, which is going to be the 30th of March. Uh, Moon Knight's a superhero with disassociative identity disorder. He's more Batman than our Superman or Spider-Man type played by Oscar Isaac, who's obviously Poe Dameron in the Star Wars shows and also stars Ethan Hawke. And also, tragically, Gaspard Ulliel, the French actor who died in a skiing accident recently, he is also in this show. So there will be an added layer of poignancy to watching that show, I'm sure. Other news, our friend Joe Cole from the Peaky Blinders is the lead role in The Icarus File, which will also be coming out in March. And also on AMC Plus, I want to say, on the 13th of February, will be The Walking Dead return. Oh, yes. So I'll be coming to <laughs> Disney Plus, I believe, on the 20th of February onwards, the second part of season 11 of The Walking Dead. Do we have a release date for the Peaky? 
No. I tell you, Grace, I'm looking daily. I'm, I'm literally <laughs> searching daily for the release date for Peaky Blinders, and they still haven't given it us yet. It's supposed to be this month. Viking Valhalla starts on the 26th of Feb, which I'm looking forward to, which will be on Netflix. And I've just found out that a good friend of mine, Joe Ball, stars in Chloe, the new BBC series. So I will be watching that when I, when I get home. Great. Did anyone write to you, Neil, asking about the socials? Well, Margaret from Greater Bumblefuck, as you know, has written to me again. Perhaps, Damo, you could offer her an alternative way of communicating with us with the socials. Um, just, just before we touch on that, uh, if, if you don't mind me asking, um, what else was in her missive to you? Well, as I say, she was looking forward to um, hearing about the biopic between Pamez and Tommy Cooper. Yes. And she still hasn't quite mastered what a tweet is. Right. They are tricky things, aren't they? As we all know. But if you do feel okay with a tweet, you would be able to find us on Twitter at TVDNAPod. Or if you were to use Instagram before it's no longer allowed to be used with Facebook in the UK... You can find us on Instagram also at TVDNAPod. If you put TV space DNA in the search bar of Facebook, you shall find us there. Or if you'd like to write us an email, please do. We always check the email, always at least once every two months. And that is TVDNAPod at gmail.com. Did you get that, Margaret? Use the socials. Please do tell people about the podcast, give us a rating and a review, share in any way that you can. We're all off now to talk to our own genitalia. Thanks all. Adios, amigos. Bye. Bye. Do we need a break? Me, Blake Margot. Is it Margaret? Margot or Margaret? Margaret. Margot is Santa's dog. (laughs) Maybe it's the same person. Could it be Margot's learnt to write? Enough to give Adam, me pause for thought. Adam, oh. get, some, get this steering, steer this ship back in. You're losing control, Adam. You can cut that. You better <laughs> cut that. <laughs> Promise me. I don't even want it in the outtakes. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I just, I just had to say it. Do the goodbyes. <laughs> My internet is so bad, I don't even know what Neil said. But I'm sure it was crude. It was. It was crude. That's why I'm gutted I missed it. Um, <laughs> well, you'll hear it on the outtakes, demo. <laughs> oh, no, my, my laptop's dying. What a shame.